Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I am a Catholic priest in Kansas City, Missouri, and this is a podcast where I post homilies and random other stuff that I might teach or speak about. Hope you find something useful and maybe even inspiring. God bless you. Today is the third most important feast day of the entire liturgical year, Pentecost, right behind Christmas and Easter. Pentecost is the day when God completed the revelation of his deepest identity. In the Old Testament, God primarily, we can say, revealed himself as Father to the people of Israel. God the Father is the first person we know of the Holy Trinity. When the fullness of time came, he sent his Son, and we discovered that there was not only one person in the one God, but now two persons in the one God, that God the Father had a Son who shared his same divine substance, who is equal to him in dignity and majesty and glory. And finally, on Pentecost, with the sending of the Holy Spirit, we have the the full and complete revelation of who God is, that he is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, coexisting in this divine fireball of love. So this this is who God is. Now when we ponder the Holy Trinity, one of the things that gets a lot of attention in Trinitarian theology is the fact that when God chooses to act in some way in human history, It's always all three persons acting together. They can't act separately. However, with that being said, when you read the Bible, it becomes clear that certain types of actions of God, if you will, are connected a bit more specifically with one of the persons over another. So we might ascribe a certain type of activity of God more properly, if you will, to God the Father, or to God the Son, or to God the Holy Spirit. So classically, one of the, one of the simple ways we describe these three persons of the Trinity, oftentimes we talk about God the Father as Creator, although we also talk about the Holy Spirit as Creator, Veni Creator Spiritus, come, you know, Creator Spirit. I'll save that for a different Pentecost homily. Um, But just to keep things simple, you know, we we often talk about the Father as Creator, the Son as Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit as the Sanctifier. So that when we see God doing those different types of actions, creating, redeeming, sanctifying, they're sort of, in a sense, more fittingly applied to one person of the Trinity over the other. Although again, when one person acts, they, they, all, they all act. So the Holy Spirit, who we celebrate today, is, is often called the sanctifier. That it's, 
the job of the Holy Spirit to make us holy, to sanctify us, to turn us into saints. That's sort of the, the proper role, if you will, of, of the Holy Spirit. So we can then ask the question, how does the Holy Spirit do this? How does the Holy Spirit sanctify us, transform us into saints? I give you two broad sort of efforts that the Holy Spirit exercises to make us saints. The first is that the Holy Spirit points out to us in given moments of our day, given moments of our life, anything that will be helpful for us to become a saint. It's sort of an interior nudge where he draws our attention to some particular thing that's going to help us become holy, right? One of the many titles for the Holy Spirit is the finger of God. So you might think about, you know, with the finger, use your finger to sort of point at things, right? The Holy Spirit, the finger of God, will point out to us, will draw our attention to, will nudge us to pay attention to something that's going to help us become holy. What are some examples of this? I'll give you three, three O's to make it easy to remember. The Holy Spirit may point out obstacles to us. At a given moment in our day, the Holy Spirit may nudge us and say, hey, that thing over there, that attachment you have, that pride you're holding on to in this area of your life, your unwillingness to apologize to someone you've hurt, your unwillingness to forgive, some other area of pride, right? He'll nudge us and say, hey, that thing is gonna stop you from becoming a saint. That thing is a big boulder on your path to heaven. It may even prevent you from being saved if you don't pay attention to it. He'll nudge us and he'll point out these obstacles to holiness. We experience that as just sort of this, again, soft, gentle, interior nudge of the heart that seems to come from nowhere. Right? It's something we receive. Now, just to be clear, it's possible for us to identify obstacles to becoming saints purely by sitting down and exercising our mind and reflecting about our life and saying, oh wow, after spending 20 minutes reviewing my life in the presence of God, I've come to realize that this is an obstacle. That's different than the way the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit just sort of gives this this nudge, regardless of, it's not something that we've produced, right? So we can come to discover obstacles through our own effort, we can also come to discover obstacles through a sort of a, a nudge, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. He might point it out. Another thing that the Holy Spirit may point out to us is opportunities that we have to grow in holiness. He may nudge us and say, hey, that particular relationship that you've kind of written off is just too difficult, that you don't want to give any attention to, that actually is your greatest opportunity to become a saint. <laughs> He'll nudge us and, and help us to see something for what it truly is. 
Oftentimes we, we treat our biggest opportunities for holiness as if they were the biggest obstacles in our life. It's important that, that we allow the Holy Spirit to shift our perspective so that we see things properly as God sees them. This difficult thing, not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. And this is my opportunity to grow in this virtue or that virtue or my opportunity to really learn what it means to sacrifice for someone else, to put myself second. Right? So the Holy Spirit will nudge us and, and point out to us these opportunities that we have. Another thing that the Holy Spirit will often nudge us to notice is what you might call the operations of God in our life. To, to begin to see with a bit more clarity the different places in our life where God is at work. See, God is at work all the time in our life, 24-7, but usually we only really pay attention to the big things, and we miss about 99% of how God is working in our life. So one of the things that the Holy Spirit will do is to nudge us and say, hey, like, did you realize that thing that just happened to you five minutes ago was a grace from God? What about that thing that happened 12 minutes ago? That was also a grace from God. What about this, this other thing in your life that you haven't even given a second thought to in years? That was a grace from God. Right, so the Holy Spirit will, will point out to us these different operations of God in our life, if you will. I just chose that word, which is kind of clunky to keep the O, <laughs> right, to help you remember. You can think about, he'll help us identify the, you know, the working of God in our life or the gifts of God or, or whatever. So the Holy Spirit will nudge us to, to, to notice obstacles, opportunities, operations. Okay, the other broad area that I want to draw your attention to that the Holy Spirit will do to sanctify us, and this is a bit harder to explain, and, and in order to explain it, I'm going to have to back up for a second. So, the human person, the, you know, our, the spiritual part of us, you might say, is comprised of these, these three different sort of organs, these three different spiritual organs. The will, the intellect, and we can say the heart. The heart is somewhat neglected when we start talking about the different spiritual powers or organs that we each have. The will and the intellect get a lot of attention, which they deserve, but oftentimes the heart gets a little bit neglected. The heart is much broader and deeper than pure emotion. Oftentimes when we hear the word emotion, we think only of something superficial. The heart is, is this organ that we have that is meant to feel things properly, right? When I'm looking at Jesus on the cross and I have a deep emotional response of sorrow for my sins, that is the farthest thing in the world from superficial. That is what the heart is for, to respond in a deep way, in a felt way, to significant and important spiritual realities, right? When I think about all the souls in the world that are drowning in despair and darkness, and my heart has this 
intensely felt response of both compassion and maybe zeal, that emotion is not superficial. That emotion is, is properly ordered, it's rich, it's beautiful. So I want to draw your attention for a moment to what the Holy Spirit does to help sanctify our hearts, which is this center of, of sort of what's often called affectivity, sort of where we feel things, right? What does the Holy Spirit do to help sanctify our, our heart? Oftentimes what he'll do is he'll come in in a given moment when our heart should be responding to some very important and significant reality, but maybe it's not. Or maybe it's responding, but in sort of a, a weak way. He'll come in, he'll, he'll sort of fill that lack, and he'll intensify the response of our heart to something. So perhaps you're waiting in line for confession, and to some degree, you know, you're, you're choosing with your will to be sorry for your sins. But there isn't a whole lot of movement going on in your heart. You don't really feel that contrite or sorrowful for what you've done to offend the Lord. That's a moment where you can ask the Holy Spirit to come in and say, Holy Spirit, like, like sort of re restart my heart in this moment. Give me a real felt contrition. I want to, my heart to be inflamed with true sorrow for what I've done, which is to wound my Savior. Right? I remember the first time in my life where the Holy Spirit really inflamed my heart in that way to sort of a, a deep felt contrition for my sins. It was, I think, my second year of seminary. It was on Good Friday. And it was during the veneration of the cross when the choir is singing uh, the reproaches, which is a very beautiful uh, piece of music. And the, and the texts of the reproaches are, are, are as if they're coming from the mouth of Jesus on the cross. He's saying, saying to his people, to all of us, I led you out of Egypt. I did this great thing for you. And you hung me on a cross. Right? I did this great thing for you. And now you've pierced my side with a lance. I remember, I remember hearing that song. I just started weeping. Like, it, it, was, it was really the first time in my life that I can say honestly, the Holy Spirit came in and produced in my heart this felt response that was lacking. Right? Here is the Lord on the cross, the lover of my life, dying because of what I've done to him, I should be weeping. <laughs> that is the proper affective response to seeing Jesus on the cross. And the Holy Spirit came in and, and, and gave me that gift in that, in that particular moment. Right? That's just one example. There, there are many sort of felt emotional responses that the Holy Spirit wants to sanctify, to purify, to stir up within us. Right? A felt zeal for souls. Right? A, you know, a felt fervor in prayer. We read in St. Paul, you know, he says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we ought. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. So St. Paul is saying there that in prayer, if our heart 
is just sort of maybe not active through our own fault, we can ask the Holy Spirit to come in and basically to pray for us in groanings. Right? People who knew St. John Paul II would often talk about how when they saw him at prayer, uh, when, he would, when he would slip into contemplation, they would basically hear these sort of soft groans and moans. Right? His, his heart was very much involved in his prayer, in his interceding for, for the church and, and, and for various intentions. So the Holy Spirit sanctifies us in these ways. But this is the most important key, I think, to remember. Is that we have to actually want Him to do these things. It sounds simple. We have to actually desire for the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. We have to want Him to do that. Right? In the Old Testament, the desire that the people had for a Redeemer, for a Messiah, was felt and it was intense. And then Jesus comes. He's with His apostles for three years. And then He leaves them on ascension. And he says, actually, it's better for you that I go because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come. Can you imagine? The apostles spent three years with Jesus Christ, their hearts were just completely full. Joy, peace, conviction, zeal. It's everything that the people of Israel had hoped for for centuries. And then he tells them, it's actually better for you guys if I leave. Because if I don't leave, you won't receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine for that 10 day period between Ascension and Pentecost, how intensely the apostles would have desired this Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about. I mean, they would have, they would have been dying to receive this Spirit. If it's somehow better than being in the physical presence of the Lord, they, they probably hardly would have been able to sleep. So the question to ask ourselves is, how intensely do I desire the Holy Spirit to come and sanctify me? Do I desire it this much? <laughs> or do I desire it this much? How much do I want Him to do that? Right. He will not sanctify us against our will. If you imagine a man who is thinking to himself, I may go and visit my friend at his house. But then he thinks to himself, eh, I don't think my friend is actually really very interested in hosting me right now. He doesn't have a great desire to receive me at his home. I think if I were to go, he would treat me somewhat coldly. He may be sort of distracted while I'm there and not, not really give me much time. Uh, maybe it's better if I don't go. When the Holy Spirit looks at each of us and he sees a complete lack of interest a lack of desire to receive Him into the home of our soul, well, He's not going to force His way in. He's not going to violate our freedom. How much the Holy Spirit is able to sanctify us depends entirely on the level of our desire for Him to do that. We have to want Him to do that. When I look at my own life, 
how intense is my desire for the Holy Spirit to sanctify me? Uh, it's pretty weak most days. To be, <laughs> to be frank with you all, it's, 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 not, it's not a very intense desire. Why? Because I'm afraid of you know, the, the pain that might be caused by the purification process. You know, at, at its root, I don't trust that God is, actually has my best interests in mind. I don't trust Him enough. Right. So examine yourself and ask, how strong is my desire for the Holy Spirit to come and sanctify me? If my desire is not strong, why is that? Why do I lack trust that God will take care of me, even if the process is painful? This detachment from things and purification from, from other things. Alright. Let us stir up in our hearts today on Pentecost the desire for the Holy Spirit to come and be our sanctifier. Come, Holy Spirit, come.